0: extraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles, because something extraordinary is about to happen.
1: I want to read together Luke chapter 10, and as you're turning there, Luke chapter 10, verse... Thirteen. I'm going to read a, just a little bit, a few, about five, six verses. But if this is your first time with the Extraordinary Church family, you picked the most extraordinary body to be connected with this Sunday afternoon. I I don't just say that because Senior Pastor Keel and his wife and family and the staff. Are great people but because God is doing something and we're so glad to be my wife and I a small part of what the story that God is writing through and in your life and I believe the Lord is going to convince you this afternoon how great you are Luke chapter 10 starting in verse 13 Jesus the loving Savior is on a soapbox. I'm reading in the King James, so you're just going to have to bear with my these and thous a little bit. But you can read with me. Jesus is crying out. Now, I don't want to hurt your ears this morning, but just picture him. This is the real Jesus. Jesus. He says, woe unto thee, Tarasan, Woe unto thee. He's telling them, you really, really missed it. Tarasan, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon were very sinful cities. But if the mighty works had been done there, which have been done in you, they had been a great while ago repented sitting in sackcloth and ashes, meaning they would have turned away deeply from their sin. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. Folks, just stay with me. This is not a rebuke, all right? We're getting to the verse of the conclusion of this statement. Jesus is saying, and thou Capernaum, which you are exalted to heaven, you shall be thrust down to hell. Jesus is talking about cities who were acquainted with Judaism. People that knew and were supposed to know that the Savior was coming for them. And Jesus is telling them that they're in trouble. He that hears you hears me. Jesus is telling them. He that despises you despises me. He's talking to his disciples. And him that despises you despises him that sent me. And the 70 returned again with joy. (laughs) After all this hard talk, you ever have a difficult conversation with somebody and just feel so uncomfortable? Like, man, I wish I don't have to do that kind of thing again, ever Jesus was having a very difficult conversation, but the 70 returned again with joy right after this. Saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. Behold, I give you power. Somebody say power. To tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. And somebody say, nothing. Oh, you got to say that one more time. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Anybody ever been hurt before? Jesus just gave a promise that he's giving us an opportunity to where we can live in such a way where nothing, shall by any means hurt you. God is good. Let's just pray for a few moments. I believe the Lord wants to speak to us this afternoon. On I give you power. I give you power. That's what he's that's what he said. If you're comfortable with it, let's lift our hands together. But I encourage you to talk to the Lord with your own mouth. If you just want to whisper and that's comfortable for you, that's okay. But let's talk to Jesus for the next few moments. And just let him know, Father, I open my heart to you this afternoon because you love me and I am safe in you, Lord Jesus. And we are here gathered together, Lord, in your presence because we want to hear your voice. We want to see how you want us to see. We want to hear how you want us to hear. We want to live how you want us to live because we've tried. We've been hurt. We've gotten up, ended up in pain. We've ended up in sorrow and anxiety and worry. But that's not your will for my life. That's not your will for our lives. And so we receive the word of the Lord today in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray and say in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's praise the Lord together just for a moment there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you. We bless you. Amen. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Now, media team, if you think of a better title than that, and I'm not being facetious, you do your thing. All right? It's been a great few days to be with you. The Lord is doing many things in you and through you. Friday night, Jesus spoke to our hearts about who we are. And we are more than what we do. God has something for us that goes beyond doing. God has something for us that moves into being. There are people in this life that get disappointed with us, mad at us, frustrated with us, because we don't do enough. Our our job promotions many times are hinging on how much we do. Our relationships with people many times are transactional, and they're not relational. And if we don't say, hello, they're mad at us. If we don't acknowledge them and wave, they are upset with us. If we don't text them back in 1.2 milliseconds, they are leaving us on red for the rest of the day. If we don't call them back, send them a holiday card, you understand what I'm saying. They're disappointed. And there have been many fractures in our lives that come as a result of us not doing enough for people. But with God, He is not merely interested in what we do. God wants us to move into being, where the doing is just a byproduct of the being. What am I saying? Life is so much more than just about our actions and the outward and the external because we can get caught up in a cycle of a custom, a routine, a discipline and lose the substance and the motive and the heart behind all of those actions where the I love you becomes routine. It becomes empty. It becomes just a repetitive action where the greeting, the phone call is, becomes drudgery, becomes a dread, and you're like, i got to do this again. And the things that were once a delight now become an obligation. There are many of these kinds of actions in life that we need a reset. Somebody say a reset. To realize that God has made us for more. God has made us for more than just doing. Love is more than just about doing and saying the right things. Love is more than just about doing and saying the things that make the other happy. There's got to be something in our hearts that if we end up in a hospital bed and we can't ever get a greeting card, we can't ever get uh, send another text message or a make another phone call to that person, and we no longer can do certain things. There's got to be still a being in our hearts. There's so many religions in our world that are based off of doing. Somebody say doing. If you do right, God will be pleased with you. And so we get caught up in this cycle and tradition of religion that if I do right, God will love me. If I do right, God will bless me. If I do right, life will be okay. I'm sorry I do not offer you that today. And I'm grateful that I don't at the same time. Because Christ did not come for you to just do right. Christ came for you to be more than what you are right now. There is something that God is wanting to reach inside of our hearts and give us such transformation that whether or not others acknowledge the change in your life, You know for yourself that God did something in you and created something out of you that no man could take away from you. No woman can discount from your life. No stranger can strip from you. But Jesus would give you an identity of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit that no one can take away. No one can take that away. This is the issue that the Jews had when Jesus walked this earth. They had the external doings right. If you're looking to be a part of a church to just look good on the outside, I'm here to disappoint you. This is not the one. Because this is the perfect church for And we are never going to get the external flawlessly. Because Christ knows that we are frail in our humanity. Even the strongest of us on the outside today have frailties on the inside. And the only way any of us are going to make it to heaven It's not because of our righteousness. It's not because of our external doings. It's not because we got everything right. It's because Jesus made something out of us that goes beyond the doing into being who he's called us to be. So the question is, what is Jesus calling you to be? I mean, you're here today because God is so gracious and merciful that something has pulled on your heart telling you you're called for more. Whether or not you know it, you've already heard the voice of God. Whether or not you recognize it, the Spirit of the Lord has already been moving in your life. God knows how to play a good game of hide-and-seek. And And the thing is, in this hide-and-seek, when you find him, you realize he's been pursuing after you the whole time. It's interesting because looking from this side of the spiritual realm, We struggle because of our eyesight and our emotions and our feelings, and we wonder, is God really real? Is God really in my situation? Is God really there for me? And if we realize that sometimes we stumble upon meeting the Savior, and we hear about what God wants to do in our lives, and we think, me, really? Yes, you really. Jesus called 12 disciples from backgrounds that varied. Some fishermen, some people who work for what we say in the states, the IRS, God have mercy. Others who had very bombastic, explosive personalities. We all know some of those some who were even challenging to the Lord himself and made us a little bit uncomfortable when they opened their mouths in public. Jesus called very interesting men and women that showed forth how merciful God is. And God is not limited by your personality and what he wants to do in your life. God's not limited by your background and what he wants to do in your life. And you and I just need to let the Lord make us into something that is more than what we are right now. Again, the question is, what does God want me to be? Little bit of a part two from Friday. There are many people here, and you're just going to have to excuse me if you don't understand the next 30 seconds of what I'm saying. You've been asking yourselves, Am I an apostle? Am I a prophet? Am I an evangelist, pastor, teacher? Am I a prayer warrior? Am I a worship leader? Am I a songwriter? You know the rest of the kinds of questions you would ask yourself. I was speaking with Brother Stephen on this weekend, and It occurred to me again, the thing about becoming what God wants us to become in life is that the disciples became who God wanted them to become because they were just trying to be like Jesus. And many people think, well, how can I be who God wants me to be? And you're here today and all your experience with anything regarding Jesus, has been some Sunday school story that you just partially remember or some social media post where you're just like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I, I think I want to figure out what that is about. Or perhaps you've been a part of EC family for an extended period of time and there's something bubbling up inside of you saying, I know God wants to do something with me, but I can't put my finger on it. Here's the simple key for everyone that's here today to become who God wants you to become, for yourself, for your family, for your workplace, and your community. Here it is. If you will try to become like Jesus, you will certainly become who God has called you to be. The disciples weren't trying to be apostles. They weren't trying to be prophets. They weren't trying to be evangelists or pastors or teachers. They weren't trying to be great and change the world. They were just trying to be like Jesus. And in the process of becoming like Jesus, they became apostles. They became world changers. They became people who turned the world upside down. And so you don't need to have all the exact mechanics of what God wants you to become. All you need to focus on is becoming like Jesus and you will see something come out of your life that when you look back at your testimony, you will say, I cannot understand everything that God did, but I know today I'm not who I was yesterday. I'm not who I was six months ago. I know God has done something with me that only he can get the credit for only he can get the credit for it there's people here today you you you're trying to read the bible you're trying to understand if you will just try to become like jesus he'll give you understanding If you will just try to become like Jesus, you'll see revelation in the word of God. If you just want to become like Jesus, you will see your family be changed. If you'll just try to be like Jesus, you'll see people be healed in your life. If you just try to become like Jesus, you will see people receive miracles in their life. If you just try to become like Jesus, you will be everything God wants you to be. Is it that simple? It's that simple. Because this book that we call the Bible, the Scriptures, the Word of God, is for everybody, and it's not complicated. It's the simplicity of Christ, the Bible says. That's why it is beautiful. I love the name of this church, Extraordinary. Because God knows how to put the extra in our ordinary. And if you would be willing to give God your ordinary, he will make it extraordinary. You don't have to have it all figured out. It's that easy. It's that easy. You want your sins to be washed away? Just be baptized in Jesus' name. And let Jesus wash it away. You want power to tread upon serpents and scorpions? What does that mean? What is that Bible language? You see, Jesus was slamming those who were from religious cities. Because getting our religion right is not going to please God ultimately. The Bible talks about false religion, impure religion. And then it talks about pure religion, which is really taking care of those who can't take care of themselves like you've done like with generous acts of kindness in the last 40 days and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Because God knows it's got to go beyond more than the external that the Jews thought they got right. There's got to be a heart element to it. And so... Jesus is telling them, you're going to be in more trouble, these religious cities, than those who were very sinful at the day of judgment. But in the meanwhile, Jesus has this mission going on with his disciples. And 70 disciples come back with joy. They said, Jesus, the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Devils. That makes some people uncomfortable, but the truth of the matter is you don't have to be afraid of them. There are people here who have had some issues with dreams, nightmares, and you've got demonic attacks in your, in your at night, and you don't know what to do with it, and some of you actually actually have lived with it for so long, you kind of just let it be normal in your life. And you think it's just part of who you are and your diet that you don't want to change. No. It doesn't have to do with any of that. There is a real devil that wants to destroy your life. But if there's a real devil that wants to destroy your life, there is a real Jesus that wants to save your life. You see, Jesus gave his disciples, somebody say, power. Power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Somebody say serpents and scorpions. You see, serpents strike from the front. And scorpions strike from the back. And God has given us power over forces and spirits that strike us from the front and strike us from the back. And you don't have to be afraid of what comes against you or who goes behind you and stabs your back. Jesus gives you power over both. And you don't have to be afraid of hard circumstances in life. You have power through Jesus' name. You have power through Jesus' name. Somebody say, I have power. Through Jesus' name. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven when the disciples went out in the power of the name. He says, and nothing, nothing, folks, shall by any means hurt you. How is that possible? Paul said, We're distressed but not destroy we're perplexed but not overcome because there's really two parts of us in this life there's the humanity and there's the spirit of man or woman inside of us there is the flesh of man or woman and there's the spirit of man or woman And the spirit of man or woman is that God-conscious part of you, which is why you're here today. There's a God-consciousness. There's something more. But there's a human flesh part of you that is attached to your senses. And the flesh-human part of us is where hurt comes in. And hurt comes in through the flesh to get to our God consciousness. And people who experience so much hurt and pain through their senses and let that pain get into their God consciousness, begin to question God, begin to doubt God, begin to wonder whether or not he exists or cares, because there was pain that touched their humanity that produces unbelief with God. You ever been there before? I know you have. And so God promises that nothing shall by any means hurt you. Because the most real part of you and me is our human spirit. I'm seeing you today, but the more real part of you is your soul and your human spirit. That is more real than your own fingers, than your own hands, than the shirt you're wearing today. That is more real. That is why you struggle more with emotions than you do with somebody hitting you physically. That's why we carry more grudges longer than we carry bruises on our body. That is why we we deal with bitterness longer than we ever deal with somebody hurting our bodies. Because our human spirit is the more real part of who we are. And God said, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Because it is not the will of God for your human spirit to be bound by pain. Because you can track this, and medical professionals are just trying to catch up with God. But when people forgive, somebody say forgiveness, they get healed from heart disease. When people start to cast cares and give their worries to God, stress hormones like cortisol begin to be removed from the body. You start to get healed in your body when your human spirit and soul finds refuge in God. And unfortunately, many people have tried to Find a solution to the human spirit and soul outside of Jesus. And they only get partial solution. Because God doesn't just want you to have a good life here, there's an eternity coming for all of us. Somebody say, Eternity. I love my wife to pieces. We've been marrying for four years now, just a week and a half ago. The truth of the matter is also, there's an eternity waiting for me, no matter how many years we will be married in this life. I'm going to meet with Jesus one-on-one someday, physically. You're going to meet with Jesus one-on-one someday, physically. And you're going to have a conversation with him about how you lived your life. Somebody say eternity. You're made for more, church, but not just for this life. You know God has prepared, somebody say prepared, a place for you in heaven. And it's on us whether or not we show up. Somebody say eternity. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. Some people don't even know that. And if you don't know that today, he came doing miracle signs and wonders, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, and preaching a gospel of his kingdom. And he preached that there would be an eternity waiting for us. And he's coming back again. And we've got to realize that this life will try to attach us to this earth so that we miss out on the next life that's attached to the new earth. Jesus said there was going to be rumors of wars and wars and earthquakes and diverse places. And there was going to be division and there is going to be racism and there is going to be tribal wars and there is going to be issues amongst nations, you turn on the news and you see the words of Jesus coming to pass. There is going to be issues economic around the world. And you might say, well, that's been going on for a long time. Now you compare today's history with the rest of history and you will see that it is unusually strong today. Because Jesus is coming back again. And this world will not be around forever. We will die. And there will be a resurrection of Jesus' people. And there will be a judgment for us all. And Jesus doesn't want us to be afraid of that judgment. You ever... I don't know if you had a dad like mine, but when I disrespected my mom and my dad was not pleased, I knew judgment was coming. I remember one time I even tried to dodge the belt. I'm telling you what, I only multiplied the judgment. and I feared judgment but God doesn't want us to fear his judgment because judgment is only fearful to those that are trying to hide something God is not wanting you to hide today I know we can I know we can hide so good from those around us You can hide from your spouse, you can hide from your children, you can hide from your friends, but none of us can really hide from God. And you're here today because the Lord knows that some of you have tried hiding, and He doesn't want you to hide, because you don't have to be afraid of coming to Jesus, because He's called you for more. And that it's, it can be painful letting the Lord see who we are when he already knows who we are. Because the truth of the matter is, it's us seeing who we are. Because we don't want to admit that we're frail. We don't want to admit that we're in need. We don't want to admit that we come short. But Jesus gives us power anyway. We're going to pray in a few moments, but just stay with me. Jesus gives us power anyway, despite our shortcoming, despite our frailty, and despite our humanity. And today we're going to pray, and I want you to sincerely, in just a few moments, to talk to the Lord and open yourself up to him. And you're going to see his response to you, was the one that you knew the whole time you were going to receive. And that was one of care, of refuge, and liberty. Power over serpents and scorpions is not for just a special group of people. God has made it available to you through his name that you don't have to be afraid of what's coming for you or what's already come for you. This past Monday, I was walking around the neighborhood with our dog and praying. And I was praying, and I came in contact with one of the men in our neighborhood who was walking, and he asked about our dog. Now, I am a dog person, and I enjoy it when people ask about our dog. So is my wife. She's a dog person, more of a little dog person. And but I like the big dogs, even though they're very challenging. And he asked about our dog, and we're talking just like I'm talking with you today. And he says, I feel the Holy Spirit on you. I thought, Pray. and I looked at him, I said, Amen. He says, I want to connect you with somebody. I said sure we got on a three-way call about 45 minutes to an hour later and his friend gets on the phone and this friend starts telling me Hector I have all these issues and um, a few some time ago I was with a woman and we fell out and I wanted her to lose her job so I sought out a warlock and I I I asked him to pray for her to lose her job. And I told him, if your prayers will become more powerful, I will give you my blood to offer to your demon so that you can pray for her to lose her job. And that warlock said, yes. Yes. And so he gives this warlock his blood. And the warlock turned into a devil when he gave him his blood. And every year, these warlocks give up a New Year's sacrifice. Because the warlocks know that when people pray and commit to a supernatural power, something happens. Don't you know when you prayed and fasted these last 40 days, you were shaking something up in every city that's connected to this church? And there were powers and strongholds and spirits that are trying to control and destroy people's lives that this church turned upside down and started to upset and started to divert and started to destroy You've seen many things in the last 40 days, EC fam, but there's more that you have not seen that has happened. And this warlock, he does what a lot of churches do, and they pat fast and pray. And he offers his blood on an altar. And you don't need to offer blood on an altar, because Jesus gave his blood on heaven's altar for you and for me. But this man gave his blood, and this warlock knew this is a special sacrifice. And so he pours out the blood on New Year's Day, and ever since New Year's, this man, this friend, began to deal with severe sickness in his body, in his prostate, and his kidneys, and his heart. And he began to have near-death experiences with cars almost T boning him and killing him instantly, multiple times. And so he's telling me all this on the phone, and I think to myself, wow. And he tells me, Hector, whatever you tell me, I want it. I'm so moved and have yet to process the story completely. But this man was so bound by powers of darkness. Whatever I told him, he wanted. And I could only give him the answer that this book provides. Because the answer this book provides doesn't just bless you for this life. It prepares you for the next life. And you just won't be blessed and saved and whole in this earth. God has a place prepared for you in heavenly places. And you can spend eternity with him. And so I told him, I said, you must be baptized in Jesus' name and fill with the Holy Spirit, with the pattern the Bible tells us is speaking with other tongues, as the Spirit gives us the ability. It said, you must do this. You must be born again of water and spirit, as Jesus said. He said, I want it. I thought, would to God, we would be so quick to respond like this man. This man was bound, gave his blood to a warlock, gave his blood to a demon sacrifice. And within four hours from the first conversation, at around 11.30 in the morning, I baptized that man in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we started worshiping the Lord together. And he began to speak with other tongues as the spirit filled his body and filled his heart. And he began to worship. And I asked him, how do you feel? He said, I feel so light. I feel so free. I feel I'm like a new man. Let me tell you today, you don't have to go to that death in order to be saved in order to be restored no matter what you've done God wants to deliver you and set you free and put his name on your life and help you become what you're made for hallelujah let's stand together church and bless his holy name thank you Lord Jesus for your wonder and grace We're going to pray here together if the musicians could come. Let me tell you, church, Jesus, he's made power available for you. Somebody say power for me. Power Power for me. Serpents and scorpions, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit... Today is your day. God wants to put his power inside of you so that you can overcome what attacks you from the front and what attacks you from behind. If that's you today, I want you to bump the person next to you and say, Just come with me, I'm too shy. Or I want to step outside of my comfort zone. If you want to pray because there's been attacks on your life and you know there's victory here today, I encourage you and invite you to come to the front and let's pray together. There's people coming up to the front. I encourage you. We're going to pray together as a family and Jesus is going to move in our midst and he's going to give us power. Somebody say power. Somebody say tread. Tread. You know what treading does? It leaves footprints. There's been a path in your life. Hear the voice of the Lord. There's been a path in your life that's been ridden with pain and suffering and disappointment. But God's going to give you a new set of footprints here today that when you look back at that same story, you're not going to see grief and pain. You're going to see the testimony in the blood of Jesus Christ reproducing a new memory inside of you, not of shame and not of regret, but of gratitude that Jesus changed that story into a testimony that you won't have to be ashamed of anymore. God wants to give you new footprints here today to tread on serpents and scorpions. We're going to pray in the next few moments. I want us to close our eyes and I want us to lift our hands together. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit or if you want to receive something today, battling with darkness, God's going to give it to you. But we're all going to pray together and the Spirit of the Lord is going to move across this place. From the front to the back, the Lord is going to go to where you are. Let's pray together, church, and we're going to pray in this fashion. Father, we come in the name of Jesus, and there are precious people here today that you have called, Lord God, to be made for more. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. I want you to pray together with me and talk to the Lord. We pray in Jesus' name that we would not just receive the power that you have made available, but that we would activate the power that you have been made available, Lord Jesus. Because we have battled, Lord, but you're giving us power to move forward in the name of Jesus. Lord, we receive that power here today. And Lord Jesus, I detach from every attachment that the devil has tried to put on my life and I receive the attachment and the power of your spirit here this afternoon so that I can move forward because your blood Jesus has been shed for me and I don't have to be afraid of what I face or what I might face because you're coming back for me and I want to be ready for you Jesus we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus come on I want you to Lift your voice right now.
0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.